Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Mother's Housing Market, the podcast where we dissect and discuss emerging trends in today's housing market because a 21st century market requires 21st century strategies. I'm Katie Keaton, realtor with Realty One Group Pacifica, and I am joined by LaDonna Page, mortgage advisor and liabilities manager with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. And before we jump into this week's episode, can we just talk about how hot it is right now? Blue blazes. <laughs> Blue blazes. I love that. So here in this little county of Kellett's County, we might get all the way up to, what, 106 this weekend? That's, I, yeah. I'm I've, so not excited. I've I'm going to be in called, Seattle, not going to lie. I'm going to oh, be in Seattle, so. It should be a little chillier I there. I haven't looked at their weather report, but I'm not. Also, I'm excited for like shorts and a tank top. I'm like dress, 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 dress. Yes, always a dress. But yes, but, but sometimes yes. shorts and a tank top, especially up in Seattle where it tends to be a little bit more windy. I'm putting on some shorts. Nice. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you have fun. But the heat, you know. It's summer, it's hot, and that also means we are finally starting to see the summer housing market kick off. Yes. There are houses for sale. There are houses for sale in Cowlitz County, guys. I feel like we need to repeat that 12 more times. Know. Alert, alert. <laughs> there are houses for sale in Cowlitz <laughs> County. We haven't seen this in a while. We got all the way down to 36 houses on our local MLS, and now we're back up to 90. That's so awesome. I'm actually able to, you know, give people some options, which feels great. Yeah. And that really leads into this week's episode because we are talking about once you decide to buy, um, how to get your ducks in a row, as they say. Yeah. So before we jump in, we will bring you a message from the Cowlitz podcast sponsors. Um, a quick reminder that you can listen to this episode of Not Your Mother's Housing Market and all future and past episodes of Not Your Mother's Housing Market on cowlitzpodcast.com. So here is a word from their sponsors, and then we will jump into our conversation about how to prepare to buy. You've spent your life working hard. Now it's time to enjoy it. Hi, this is Aaron Kelch, owner of Kelch Communities, and I want to tell you about our signature independent community, Canterbury Park. You could spend your days cooking, cleaning, and doing chores, or you could spend it here with us and take the stress out of life. Make new friends. Enjoy chef-prepared meals. Use our on-site banking. Canterbury Park has transportation available to take you on your errands and personal appointments. It's time for you to enjoy life with Without the trouble of maintaining it. Call Canterbury Park at 501-5100. All right, and we are back. Yeah. Back again. <laughs> the podcast is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. That's very millennial of us. Okay. Right? <laughs> yep. A few weeks ago, we were talking about, what, Jason Derulo, and now yes. it's who Eminem, right? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say Backstreet Boys for a second, but that oh, is not true shame. or right. Next time I'll <laughs> quote the Backstreet Boys. I promise you all. So, yes, we are talking about getting your ducks in a row for purchasing. But before we jump into that, I think LaDonna's going to kick us off with some stats about why you might decide to make that decision. Okay, so, like, we've touched a little bit on inflation before. Um, it's here. It's probably not transitory like we wanted it to be, but it's holding steady. Like it's not insane, actually. <laughs> it's not as insane as it feels. Um, so we're at 
The housing market is up 2.9%. From when? From last year. Okay. Um, and in Cowlitz County, I've said this before, there's only three houses for every thousand people. Which is crazy. Which is insane. Is that the three houses for every thousand adults or three houses for every thousand people? People. Okay. People. So but we're, of us we're an old community. Did you know that? Into, we are an old community. Our community is very old. But yeah. Longview caters to that. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, yes, go on. Go on. Um, <laughs> so, so obviously our inflation is not the biggest problem that we're facing, but it is rather our inventory. Right. That is the biggest problem that we're having currently across the nation, mm-hmm. but specifically in our area because... There are so few houses for people Right, and here. because everyone wants to move here because it's lush and green uh, and yeah. beautiful. It's so wonderful. My family's here. That's why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> but, so our population is right around 105,000 people. Okay. And of that, we have like 36,000 renters. Okay. 9,500 of those renters, we estimate, can afford to purchase at our median home price of 320 okay okay so okay. about a third of renters could afford to buy if they decided to yeah okay. and that's like that's you know 20 percent down that's beautiful mm-hmm. loans that's you know okay <laughs> these people can afford to do it mm-hmm. so there's a good chunk of people that can afford to purchase in our area as well Okay, and you know, another thing that people talk about, which, is it true? Let's hear the stats. Um, People always say a lot of times it's cheaper to buy than to rent. So what stats do you have for us on that? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) No, it's not um, technically cheaper to rent than it is to buy. Okay. So (laughs) it is the, I think the part that people think they get hung up on is mm-hmm. down payments okay. when it comes to, oh, it's so expensive to get into a house. I think that that's the, mm-hmm. the rough part for people. Mm-hmm. But so I pulled stats from rentdata.org and a two bedroom house, which a lot of people rent, is $1,000 a month. Okay. Roughly okay. in Longview. But a three bedroom house, which a lot of families rent mm-hmm. and a lot of families move into, or mm-hmm. at least a lot of most most first time home buyers purchase three bedroom homes. Right. So that one is actually fifteen hundred dollars a month, and to that's rent. to rent. Yeah. To okay. Rent. Renting a three bedroom in Kells County typically will run you about fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, looking at your mortgage right now, three twenty, um, that we talked about the median price. Mm-hmm. It will actually run you just about the same for your mortgage payment. Perfect. And I would say that's pretty standard for, you know, a first time three bedroom. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. No. I mean, interest rates are low, mm-hmm. you know, and 320 is a pretty average housing price to come into mm-hmm. at this, totally. in this market. Um, and so that... That price of $1,500 is just going to drag straight across the line. Only mm-hmm. when you own your house, mm-hmm. you're moving that money into your own pocket versus 
somebody else's pocket. Three-sided balance sheet. Three-sided balance sheet. What episode was that? <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly going to refer back to the three-sided balance sheet. So it's like, I think it's episode five. I think so. So anyone also. who this is the first episode you're listening to, hi, welcome to the Not Your Mother's Housing Market podcast. <laughs> and also go back and listen to the rest, but take a listen to episode five because I think it really explains. Because Katie's going to keep coming back to it. Yeah, <laughs> and it explains why it's a great idea to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not putting money in somebody else's pocket. You are putting money basically, essentially, into like a savings account for yourself. Right. When but you're I mean, paying your mortgage. That's what home equity is. Mm-hmm. It is just a giant savings account for you. And we all need sneaky ways to save money, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, now we know that it's pretty similar in price to rent versus mm-hmm. buy here in Cowles County specifically, but also in general, I would say. Um, because I mean, the rent prices and mortgage kind of parallel each other. They kind of follow each other up, generally yeah. speaking. Um, okay. So we have all that information. So maybe you decide you want to think about buying. What do you do? What are your first steps? I always think that it's talk to a real estate professional first. Mm -hmm. If you know a real estate agent, talk to that person. If you know a mortgage advisor, talk to that person. And if you don't know either, ask your friends because... They know somebody. They know someone. And I always say, you know, it's kind of a cliche at this point, but you'll hear a million places. Um, First of all, you can shop around for a lender or a real estate agent. So you don't need to settle on the first person that you talk to, um, but pick someone that you know and you like and you trust. That's kind of the three things people like to throw around, like work with people you know, like, and trust. So maybe you don't know anyone specifically, but, um, you know, hearing your friends say, oh, I worked with Katie or, oh, I worked with LaDonna and everything went really smoothly, um, kind of builds in that sense of security. And this is a huge transaction. You want to make sure that you're working with someone who has the time to answer your questions, who you feel comfortable reaching out to really at all hours when a question comes up, and someone that you trust to guide you to the finish line. Yeah, somebody that's going to meet you where you are in the process, whether Mm -hmm. that is you've got all the information and you just need somebody to do the paperwork, or Mm -hmm. you don't know anything about it and you need a lot of guidance. It, It is, you know, it is going back to knowing somebody and trusting them rates change prices change fees change people don't change right and um you know i think a lot of first-time buyers and there's nothing wrong with this but i just want to explain this process for people who are listening maybe it's your first house maybe it's your second house um I hear it happens a lot you know in this society it's not your mother's housing market so maybe you don't know someone you're not reaching out to someone specifically and you want to start looking at houses so you're on zillow or redfin or realtor.com or whatever the case may be so this is a common misconception that i just want to touch on really quickly if you're looking at houses, I think that's great. I honestly think that's a great first step too because you can get an idea of what you want and what you don't want virtually. But the second that you click that button, let's see, you you find a house, you love it. You see the button on the side of your screen that says speak to a realtor or ask more questions or you know talk to someone. You are not getting connected with the listing agent you are getting your information sent out to a bunch of realtors. 
you will probably get five or six phone calls immediately. And when I say immediately, I mean within four seconds of clicking that button. Um, and so it can be very overwhelming and it can turn people off from the process. Yeah. And I've gotten clients that way. It's a lead generation tool for realtors. Many real estate firms purchase those leads to drive traffic to their realtors. I mean, it can be great. I've had great experiences with clients that I've received that way and have helped them purchase houses. I have one that's going to close on the 30th, and I'm so thankful I met them, and I never would have met them otherwise. But I always like to tell those people, listen, this is a lead generation tool. I can find you any questions that you have on this house or any other house, um, but I am not the listing agent. And I would encourage you guys to find a realtor that you like, whether it's me, I would be happy if it was me or if it's somebody else, just pick someone that you like and you can send direct questions to via a text, a phone call, email, whatever you prefer, because that keeps you and your information safe. So you're not repeatedly sending out your contact information to multiple realtors every time you have a question about a right. house. Yeah. So I just want to touch on that really quickly. You know, Zillow, Realtor.com, Redfin, whatever, they're all great places to look for houses. But when you want to go see a house, do you want just the first person who called you to be your realtor? Or do you want it to be somebody that um, you have some sort of rapport with? Yeah, you need a connection. This is a really emotional process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so my tip is always talk to a real estate professional first. Mortgage advisors, real estate agents, they're both real estate professionals. Um, call me specifically. But, um, <laughs> or call me and I'll give you her number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing is we're going to point you to the other person. We're going to say, totally. and these are the real estate agents that I think you will work well with. Or mm -hmm. this is the lender that I think you will work well with. Because we are in a community and we do know each other. And... We know that different different personalities. personalities go different directions and click with different people. Mm -hmm. Totally. So talk to a professional. So if you do end up speaking to a realtor first, um, maybe you reach out to me and you say, hey, can we go look at this house? If I've never met you in person, I will probably take you to that first house not knowing much about your um, loan status. But within that first meeting, one of my very first questions to be or will be, are you pre-approved? Have you spoken to a lender? Because we can look at houses, you know, until our faces are blue. But until you've spoken to a lender, you really don't know how much you can spend. You really don't know your budget, even if you've done, you know, even if you've used one of the little mortgage calculators, there's so much nuance that you really need to speak to a lender before you can start actively shopping. Yeah. And in my opinion, my professional opinion is the earlier you speak to me, the better. If you're thinking about purchasing a home in six months, talk to me now because that's when we're going to start talking about what do you know is on your credit? Let's do a soft pull and see what kind of scores you have without diving deep and hitting you negatively. Let's get a soft idea because if we pull up that you've got a 578 on your credit score, then I can get you over to somebody who's going to help you build that up so that 
you can purchase that house. And the earlier we do that, the better because it takes time. Okay, and so for first time home buyers, it, you know, a lot of people come into it with no credit at all because they've never done anything on credit. Right. So, okay, you hit on a really great point. Sorry, I interrupted you for a second. Sorry. But, um, so I do think a lot of people are afraid to speak to the lender until they're ready to buy because they are concerned about how pulling their credit or pulling their credit report will affect their credit. So you mentioned a soft pull versus like a, a, hard, a pull. hard pull. So can you explain the difference? And then also, is it true? I am under the impression that once you start shopping for a home loan or once you start shopping for a car loan, you can kind of keep pulling your credit at different institutions for a window of time and it all counts as the same credit pull because it's obvious you're shopping. Is that true? I don't think that if you're letting them do hard pulls, okay. I think that that still impacts you negatively. So okay. So I don't think that the that's soft a good idea. Pulls are, a soft okay. pull is a good idea. And that's really like. Is that where most lenders start? That's where I start. Okay. I don't know about other lenders, but that's. Okay. And that's where I was taught to start mm-hmm. um, was a soft pull, especially when you're very first getting to know somebody because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're working with till you get some sort of idea of what's going on. Okay. So what will you find in a soft pull versus a hard pull? I just get numbers. Okay. I don't get to see that your number is derived from you have a blender on repossession, like <laughs> whatever it is. Uh-huh. Um you know, I don't get to see all of the dollars that you've got anywhere. Okay. Whereas a hard pull, I do. Okay, um, but a soft pull is pretty accurate? A soft pull is fairly accurate, yeah. Okay, it's enough to start the process on. It's enough for me to get a really good idea of I can do this or we need to work on this. Okay, so you have a buyer in front of you and mm-hmm. maybe they've talked to me and I've sent them your way. They want to start looking for houses. You've done a soft pull and their credit is good or okay. decent. Their credit okay. is, you know, they can get they a qualify. variety of home loans. Yeah. Um, what are the questions that you're asking them right off the bat? I... Like, aside from I want to know what your goals are because how what your goals are depends on how we structure this loan. Um, like, hard facts always ask everybody. I'm always looking for two years tax returns. I'm always looking for two years W-2s. I'm always looking for 30 days bank statements. Um, and if you're using it to qualify proof of alimony or child support. Okay, that makes sense. And so you mentioned the two years W-2s. So -hmm. does that mean they need to be at the same position? I think we've talked about this in another another episode, but I just want to clarify. You need two years of W-2s, and as long as they're in the same industry, then you're good? Yeah. Okay. But two years work history. So this is something, too, where, you know, we talked to even people that are 18, 19 years old, start just thinking about these things, teaching these things to your kids, talking to people about this, because, you know, what you decide two years ago can affect your home purchasing. Yeah. So find a, as soon as you can find a, um, industry. Oh my gosh, I could not find the word industry mm-hmm. in my brain. Find an industry you you like and um, keep that in your back pocket. So then when you do decide to purchase a home, you have options. Yes. So you need your bake statements, your W-2s, 
Okay, what do you do with that information? I use that information to tell me that you are going to be a reliable person in this relationship. That's always good to know, right? (laughs) Reliability, that's like number one. (laughs) Basically, this is going to tell me that you can manage your money and that you're going to, in fact, be able to maintain being able to pay this mortgage. Okay, and you mentioned, so there's two options then at this point, or two, I guess, paths. One, the person, everything you pulled looks good. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, we can start the process of shopping. In the other situation, maybe there are a few things that um, aren't looking great on paper. Um, So you mentioned that you can point them in the direction or give them tips to build their credit score. Right. Yeah, I've got a few, like, in my handbag tools I can use to tell you this is going to bump your credit score a few points. But I also work with somebody else that that's what they do is they look at your really dirty credit and they know exactly how to clean it up and get things off of there and they'll retain you as a client and then when you're ready, bump you back out to me. Okay, yeah. And yeah, I remember when we um, started the process of getting a construction loan to build our home a few years ago, and we did need a little bit of credit repair. It wasn't anything crazy, but I was shocked at the amount of tips that um, the lender gave us to, I think my husband's score got pumped up like 40 points. And that's really all we needed to qualify. So all is not lost if your your credit report is a little low. you can do quick fixes, but then like LaDonna mentioned, there are long-term fixes and strategies where it's yeah. like, we can get you up here in a matter of what would you say, like six months or... Yeah, six months. And that's the reason I said, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about buying a house in six months, <clears throat> start talking to somebody now. Right. Okay. So we've kind of talked about um, the getting pre-approved part. Now let's talk about the money, the, the cash. Money. The cash. So hopefully when you're starting to think about a house, you're also starting to think about what a down payment could look like because there are a lot of programs to come in with zero dollars down, but a lot of people don't qualify for that Mm -hmm. because they either make too much money Mm -hmm. or the house that they're buying is too high for too much money, right? Costs too much money for their market because Mm -hmm. the government sets all of these market numbers and says these are the limits you can't go over this Mm -hmm. um and then i mean on the real estate side you might qualify for that for the down payment assistance but it makes your offer weaker it does so it'll be harder to get a house under contract um it is possible. I've seen it happen multiple times. Yeah. Um, it definitely happens, but it does make things a little bit more difficult because if they see that you have down payment assistance, then it's kind of like, okay, well, there's more hoops for this person to jump through to purchase my house. So we might hit a few more hiccups along the way. Let's pick someone that's paying their own down payment because we know that less can go wrong. Right. And that's this. That is fundamentally the exact same reason why those cash offers win so much. Right. I just accepted a cash offer on a listing that um, 
that I have listed. And don't worry, they're not moving from California. They're only mm-hmm. moving from Camas. <laughs> um, but yeah, we accepted a lower offer because with cash, they could close more quickly. They didn't need an appraisal. Right. Um, there was less to do. So yeah. the more the more loan types you have piled on top of each other, the more hoops. And yeah, you know, there are. Um, okay, so there is the first time home buyers assistance, but let's say someone is not going that direction. Um, what percentage wise, like, do you recommend people trying to shoot for? Minimum three and a half. Okay, and three and a half, that's like an FHA down payment. Right. Okay. And right. then you can even get a conventional loan for right around that same amount of a down payment, correct? Yes. Okay. So that's kind of a good number to shoot for, which honestly, three and a half percent sounds great until you do the math and you're like, okay, three and a half percent, like I'm going to need to be saving three and a half percent on a home that's 300, excuse me, 320,000 is $11,000. Okay. So it's not a chunk. It's a a chunk. (laughs) (laughs) It is a chunk. And then, um, okay, so people are saving, they're padding their accounts. Um, But, you know, even if you are using a down payment assistance program, there are still other costs associated um, that are kind of outside of the loan almost. So as the realtor, the person who's setting up these things, I want to touch on those as well. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's say that you are not paying your own down payment. And maybe even you're getting the seller to pay your closing costs. So really you're coming into this loan with almost zero money. That does not mean you need zero money. You still do have to have a little bit to play around with to get the necessary steps done. So you're under contract with a house and um, you need two things really. You need an inspection and you need an appraisal. So a lot of people confuse the two and how I describe it and tell me if you think this is a good way because I came up with it the other day and I'm like, dang, this is a, this is <laughs> a good one. moment. Yes. The inspection is for you. The appraisal is for the lender. Correct. So that is how you can think of it. You're under contract. You hire an inspector to come look at your house. Most loan types will require it. FHA requires that you get an inspection. And as a realtor, I think you should always get an inspection. Because the inspector is going to tell you and point out the things that are subpar with the house. Um, right. It's basically like having a doctor do a house call <laughs> to the house. Um, they're like a doctor that's literally going through and saying, okay, this could use a little work. This is a little bit run down, yada, yada, yada. Um, so you need you need an inspection done. <clears throat> and here in Kells County, I have not seen one cost more than $500. I would say three to $500 is pretty average. So that's going to come out of your pocket right off of the top. Um, on top of that, okay, so an inspector comes, they can tell you what's wrong, but they can't give you bids. So then maybe the electrical panel's wrong or needs looking at. Maybe, um, you know, you need a general contractor to come out and look at some siding that needs repaired. A lot of contractors won't um, pay or won't charge you to come out and look at the house, but electricians do. 
Oh. So, um, and it can be pretty hefty, up to like $175 wow. to have an electrician come out. And nine times out of 10, the buyer will be responsible for having the electrician come out and give a bid on electrical work. So you have to factor that in too. Um, you're paying your inspector, but then you may need to pay some people to come and take a look. Um, electricians, I mentioned them because I know almost always they will charge you, but I think maybe plumbers will as well, but don't quote me on that. Um, which I get their time is valuable to them. So I understand why they charge to come out and, and take a look. Um, so you have the inspection and then one other thing that I totally forgot, but we need to kind of backtrack is your earnest money. Right. So earnest money is kind of a deposit quote unquote. Um, it's what tells the seller that you have some skin in the game. So your earnest money, um, is, they recommend 1% of the purchase price. I would say in Calais County, you can get away with half a percent. So um, anyway, the earnest money is not applied to the loan at this point, but it is deposited to the title company. So it is money that you need to have liquidated and you're okay with it sitting in a bank that is not yours. So so let's say you write a check for $2,000 earnest money they are going to be depositing that check into the title company. No one is touching it. It's not going to the seller. It's not going back to the buyer. It just sits there, but it is money that you do not have in your account any longer. So you need your earnest money. You need your money for inspection, possibly for bids for repair, and then also the appraisal. Like I mentioned, the inspection is for you. The appraisal is for the lender. We've talked about appraisals previously, but do you just want to touch on that for a moment and the and the cost of that and general ways that you would go about paying for it yeah so generally it gets paid up front also um because we don't have any control over it we don't want to control the funds um so you pay for it up front and it is anywhere between 750 and 975 dollars in Cowlitz County okay which again, you're thinking, you know, oh, I'm a first time home buyer and I have a down payment assistance and the seller's paying my closing costs. I'm good. Well, as we're talking about these numbers, you know, they're adding up. So yeah. this is when we say ducks in a row. This is what we mean. Um, one note I do want to make about the appraisal and correct me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, um, I always want to make sure the appraisal happens after the inspection because we can cancel the appraisal if the deal falls through right. at inspection and you get your money back. Exactly. Yeah. So um, appraisals are kind of interesting in that way. And I know there are different lenders that handle it differently, but generally you're going to um, be on the hook for the mm-hmm. appraisal. So that is another cost you have to think about. So when we say start saving this is what we're talking about. And these are hard conversations to have because, you know, as you see the numbers ticking up, you might get a little stressed, but this is like, this is when I told my sister that we Mm -hmm. were doing this podcast, she was like, you have to talk about all the extra little money that nobody else tells you that you need to have up front when you do this. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was because about to say. Because she had no idea coming into it. Right. Because no one really does talk about it. And I think um, realtors and lenders and, you know, whatever, we've kind of done a disservice. We've done it to ourselves because everyone preaches, you know, 
no money down to get into this house, no down payment assistance, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people use that in their marketing tactics to get first time home buyers to bite and to have the conversation. And while it is true, um, there are plenty of costs associated that are really outside of the loan. Yeah, there are. But I mean, so we are, you know, we're talking about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Your your earnest money, mm-hmm. you said you could get away with it at half a percent. Mm-hmm. And honestly, so to be honest, earnest money is so arbitrary. There are some people that say, oh, just do $500 earnest money. It's not a big deal. And realtors that'll, that will accept $500 earnest money. And then there are realtors where I'll... I've written deals with $2,000 earnest money and they came back and said, we'll accept your offer if you bump up your earnest money to 4,000. So it kind of depends, but um, yeah, let's use that for our numbers. Yeah, so the half a percent on our three bedroom home that costs us Mm $320,000, that's $1,600. Okay, yeah. So then you add in your potentially $900 appraisal Mm -hmm. and your $700 inspection. That was Which that's high, a little high for inspection. That was your high yes. dollar that you that's gave me my for high inspection. Yes. So I okay. was just going for it. Go for it. Shoot, shoot for the stars, right? And then be excited when you <laughs> when miss. When it comes in less. Um, <laughs> be excited when you hit the moon. I think that's the opposite. Normally it's I like, it's shoot for the stars. Whatever. Wait, whatever. Anyway, so I mean, you're at $3,200 right, right there. And that that's before closing costs. That That's before closing costs. Mm-hmm. That's before anybody has done any down payment. Mm-hmm. So, and then we've talked about the down payment. Now we've talked about kind of the little extra fees. So then let's speak about the closing costs really quickly, because I did mention sometimes you can write closing costs into your loan. You can basically ask the seller to pay your closing costs. Um, But in this market, it's definitely harder to get people to agree because it's such a hot market who wants to pay the closing costs. So let's talk about what those typically are and what they're for. Okay. So closing costs basically go to the government (laughs) and the title company. But the title company is there to record things with the government. They record things with the county, the state, the whatever. Um, We, so as a mortgage company, we have our own processing fees um, and super, you know, super transparent here. Ours are $1,200. Okay. Um, to, for me to set up the loan. Mm-hmm. So then we estimate, we always tell people to estimate 2.5% for your closing costs. So 2.5% mm-hmm. of your purchase price. So on our $320,000 home, that is $8,000. Okay. And would you say that's kind of, a, again, a little bit of an overestimation or would you say that's typical? That's probably a little bit high, mm-hmm. but... I'm not a title person. I just see the quotes. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. But yeah, like that might be a tiny bit high. But again, we, I always try to overestimate Mm -hmm. because then it's easier to come back and say, I actually need less money than it is for me to come back and say, I need more. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no kidding. Yes, I'm a big proponent of estimating high. Um, And also to be clear, there are, there are buyer closing costs and there are seller closing costs. So the seller is already paying 
their closing costs. And I promise you the seller's closing costs are more. And most of that is because they pay the realtors. So your closing costs are going to pay the government, to pay the lender, to pay the title. Um, the seller's closing costs, there's also some that's going to the government, of course, um, but the majority of their closing costs are realtor fees. So that means that, yes, we're talking about a, a lot of fees for you, but you don't have to pay your realtor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to throw that out because even... First of all, when I was thinking about buying a home for the first time as a buyer, I thought, oh, no, how am I going to pay a realtor? And I have plenty of buyers say, hey, I would love for you to be my realtor, but I don't know if I can pay you. So it's wonderful to be able to say to a buyer, don't you worry, because I'm paid by the seller and I am at your service for free. <laughs> so someone pays you. It's not for free. Well, it's free to the buyer. <clears throat> so always yeah. use a realtor. So, I mean, a lot of your ducks are sunk into money that you're going to have to come up with up mm -hmm. front because it is currently a seller's market. Mm -hmm. I've seen one offer that included, please pay my closing costs, mm -hmm. and it didn't get accepted. Yeah. But aside from that, I haven't seen any. So I, um, you know, we talk about how crazy this market's been. The first few... Um, the first few transactions I did, it was pretty common to ask for closing costs and they were getting accepted. Um, one of the reasons that they're not getting accepted nearly as much anymore is because of low appraisals. So we talked about that again in a previous episode. I think it was mm. episode four. We need to keep a running list in front of us so I can reference yeah. them. I think it was episode four. We talked about low appraisals. But anyway, um, when I'm on the seller side, I always caution my sellers not to pay closing costs because then if a low appraisal comes in, you get hit on both sides. So that's why we're seeing so much more hesitancy to accept I didn't deals. That part. Because typically when you're asking, let's say the house costs $300,000 and you know that your closing costs are going to be about 8000 Typically, the way you ask a seller to pay your closing costs is saying, hey, I'm going to offer Three hundred and eight thousand, and then you will use that extra eight thousand I'm offering you to pay my closing costs. So a lot of times you're still paying it; you're just paying it with your loan. Okay. Um, but people are hesitant to do that because if people are already offering twenty thousand dollars over asking price, and then they're like, "Oh, also we're going to throw on another eight thousand for our closing costs," then the seller's thinking is this going to appraise or am I going to have to lower my price to the appraised amount and still pay the 8,000 in closing costs? Right. So yeah. as the market simmers down, it may be something that you can write into your loan more often again, but who knows when that's going to happen? Yeah. Inflation. Um, isn't the problem quite as big as inventory? <laughs> yes. The inventory. Supply and demand. But, just you know, like everything else right now. It's coming now. back up. Like we said, we went from yeah. a low of 36 back to 90. I was celebrating when I saw that number. It actually got to 105 a few days Ooh. ago. That's like pre-pandemic levels, which I say, oh, my gosh, 105. But in Cowlitz County, um, a few years ago, it was it was pretty customary to have like 320 houses on the market. But. Holy Moses. <laughs> but our inventory is coming back up. I think people are realizing, sellers are realizing that um, they want to move. They want to move. Or it really is the time to sell. So And, and it's safe. We had a lot mm -hmm. of people backing out because they didn't want people coming through their houses looking at it mm -hmm. because 
mm-hmm. the germs that they were tracking in. Well, now a lot of us are vaccinated. Yeah. Now we know that, you know, if we sanitize some things, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we just know so much more about COVID. For <laughs> right. So th- those fears are a little bit more assuaged than they were before. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my biggest takeaway for this now is obviously, like, talk to a mortgage professional first or very soon because getting your credit in line and finding out about all those extra fees is huge. Katie is going to be able to tell you those also, but she, I've, I have worked with real estate agents before that don't tell people about those. And I blindside my clients with them. Yeah. <laughs> because they just don't expect it because nobody mentioned it prior to that. And because they've heard so many times, get into a house with no money down. With no money down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you know, one of the biggest pieces of, of advice that I could give you about it is start saving in advance mm-hmm. and live like you're making that mortgage payment. Right. Even if you're renting a place, if you found that diamond in the rough and you're renting a three-bedroom home right now for $900 a month and you know that you want to eventually buy because that's how you're going to build your your wealth portfolio, that's great. But start living like you're making that $1,500 payment and just sock that extra $600 mm-hmm. a month away in a savings account and you're going to have money to move when you need it. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did actually when we um, started our construction loan, because in a construction loan, it's kind of weird. It's a graduated scale of your mortgage payments, quote unquote. Most of the time you're just paying interest. You're not really paying your paying your mortgage. So that's exactly what we did. We had our rent, but I was renting from my mom. Thanks, mom. (laughs) And then we were putting the rest away like we were paying our mortgage. And Mm -hmm. so at the end, we had that money saved and could pay for last minute expenses and things that popped up and you know all because I mean there's a lot of hidden costs with building too yeah (laughs) that's That's for for another episode um so yeah I think that's great advice so moral of the story is if you are thinking about purchasing um reach out to one of us you can find us and reach out to us at notyourmothershousingmarket at gmail.com you can find us on Instagram. Uh, on and Instagram, my, I need to post. My big goal for this weekend and maybe in the next week, let's see how this weekend goes, um, is to upload our podcasts to other platforms also. Yes, I agree. We will work on that. Hopefully by next week, next time we're posting one, we will be able to say, look here or here or yeah. over here or whatever. That's my goal. Yes. Okay. Oh, and also just as a side note, um, we talked about getting your ducks in a row, but don't let it scare you away because I think we've really hit on in other podcasts and I hope in this one as well. Um, buying is a great way to build your future wealth and to also, um, start the foundation of the rest of your life, honestly. Yeah. How and when you purchase your home really mm -hmm. sets you up financially for every other financial decision that you do. Yes. So it might seem like a big task now, but if you start now and work towards it, then you will be there in no time. Yeah. Truly. And that wraps up this week's episode of Not Your Mother's Housing Market. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Not Your Mother's Housing Market to keep up with new episodes and reminders. We promise we will start posting on there. And also remember to write in your listener questions to Not Your Mother's Housing Market at gmail.com.